if I don't know you, my name is Scott and that's my mum. I am one of the pastors here at New Life Coolangatta and last week we actually started a series in the book of 1 John. And we're going to spend six weeks in this book walking through this letter, this pastoral letter that John wrote to the church in Ephesus. And Pastor Mike, he came last week and kicked off the series in the first chapter. And he talked about who the author was. It was the Apostle John. And this letter was to God's people. Now, the Apostle John, he was the person who walked with Jesus. He was the one who lived with Jesus. He was the one who saw and heard and touched the Christ. And he comes and he says to them, I declare to you, that you can have fellowship with God and fellowship with one another. You see, there's this invitation that he brings straight from Jesus, that we are invited into the family of God, but when we come into the family of God, we become brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. So it's this beautiful letter. But 1 John is a simple call to remember that God is light and God is love. And these terms, they sound like fluffy Christian niceties, but they're actually powerful bedrocks for a life of obedience, truth, and relationship. And 1 John's this timely letter which speaks of a timeless reality about God who is actually revealed fully through Jesus Christ. And as John is writing this, he wants them to actually feel pastored and cared for and loved. And we know this because he repeatedly addresses in this letter these people as dear children. In doing this, he's using this comforting language to package what actually is quite a challenging letter. You see, in this letter, John will raise the issue of sin in a Christian's life, and he creates these tense contrasts between darkness and light, truth and falsehood, good and evil, and love and hate. And in doing this, John's modeling the heart of Jesus for his church, Jesus reaching out to us and saying, dear children, there's some things you need to know. And so we pick it up this week in 1 John 1, verse 5 to 2, 6. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and we don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is a propitiation for our sins, and not for us only, but also for the whole world. Now, by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Whatever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. This is John reaching out to these people saying, I've got some truths to bring to you today. So would you join me in prayer before we get into the message? Father God, I just come to this text and it's 
so full and rich, but also, Lord, it's, it's so heavy. So, Lord, I pray that you would empower me by your spirit to preach truth, but to preach it in grace and in love. Lord, that in the end, they wouldn't look to me, but they'd only look to you, the one who brings life and life in all its fullness. In Jesus' name, amen. So just before Christmas, we uh, extended out the back of our house. We had this little patio area that was enclosed on all four sides and all three sides, and we decided to move the sliding doors out that little bit to make a new dining room to give us a little bit more space and a little place where we can have coffee and hang out and do small group and things like that. So we extended it out, and then we went out shopping because we wanted to put some plants in each corner. So Georgie picked a plant, my wife, and it was this beautiful big thing, and I picked another one, which I thought was even more beautiful. Um, And so we put them in our respective corners, and mine died about a week and a half later because I was meant to care for it, and I did not, and hers are still thriving. But there was one night shortly after we'd finished it all up, and I was going to the bathroom. So I got up at night time, it's dark, and I start walking out to go to the bathroom. I'm like, oh my gosh, what is that in the corner of the room? It looked like this ominous figure. It looked like someone was standing in the corner of the room (laughs) waiting to bounce. I'm like, oh my gosh, there's someone there. And I went and flicked the light on, and it was just her plant. (laughs) I totally forgot about the plant, but it fully scared me until I turned the light on. And this is what we're going to look at today. Darkness and light. What is darkness and what does light do? And John starts with, this is a message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. We don't practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You see, light and darkness is this theme or metaphor that John uses in his Gospels, but he also employs here in his letters. And God is light is a biblical theme that's actually found throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. And what it does is it shows us that the darkness represents evil and sin. So who's afraid of the dark? Come on, be honest. Yeah, there's always a few of us, right? If, like, if we're honest, we all are to an extent, right? Like, just sit there and think for a moment when you feared the dark. Like, where was it and what was the reason? Just think about it. The question is, why are we afraid of the darkness? Because the darkness hides potential dangers, right? We can't see what's there. It's scary because you don't know if there's something there that's actually going to jump out and harm you. Evil people use darkness, right? They hide things in it. They, they do things. They take advantage of the darkness to jump out and pounce on people. You see, darkness covers up the true nature of things. So if you want to hide stuff that is unsavory, you covered it in darkness. And when we think about that, it's very much like a lie, isn't it? Like when we lie, we're trying to cover something up. We're trying to not reveal the true nature of what we've done. So darkness... And lying, they seem like the same thing. We're trying to cover up something. So darkness is representation of evil and sin. So when John talks about this, it resonates with us on a deep level because all of us have experienced fear in the midst of darkness. And we've all lied and covered up the truth at some stage. But then we have this contrast to darkness, which is light. So what does light do? 
Well, light reveals dangers so we can avoid them, right? Light reveals things that may be hidden that we can't see. Light brings comfort and warmth and a feeling of safety and peace. And the light helps us see things for what they truly are, either bad or good. And we know that God is the creator of physical life, but he's also the giver of spiritual life that by which we can see the truth in our own lives and in others. You see, light exposes which is hidden in darkness, and it shows things as they really are. And to walk in light for us means to know God, to understand the truth and live in righteousness. He starts with God is light. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. John's like, I have a message to bring you. And guess where I heard it from? From Jesus. This is not my idea of who God is. This is the revelation of God that we found in Jesus Christ. Jesus said that he is light, that God is light. I heard it directly from him. And I declare it to you. This is my job as a pastor. This is my job as an apostle. He says, my job is to declare to you the truth about who God is. And God is light. You see, God describes God as light and says there is no darkness in him at all. It sets up this natural contrast between, between God and evil. See, we're not told here that God like, admits light. He says God is light. It's part of his essence. It's like love. It's who he is. The message is that God is completely, unreservedly, absolutely holy. He is pure holiness. He is pure light with no mixture of sin, no taint of inequality, no hint of injustice, no darkness at all in him. So what does this mean for us? Well, you see, darkness is the absence of light. Think about that for a moment. It's only dark because there's no light. As soon as you turn a light on, it overcomes the darkness, right? Like that room for me was only dark until I turn a light on. Darkness cannot overcome light, but light is always going to overcome darkness. Martin Luther King Jr. says, Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. And you see, without Jesus... We are walking in darkness. We are actually blind to the way that we're living. Like when we are without Jesus, what we do is we sin and we think it's okay. We don't understand the effects of sin on ourselves and the damage it does, and we don't see the effects it has on others, how it damages them. And so we're insular. Sin is a turning in on itself of where we're just so selfish, we can't even see the effects of sin. But then Jesus says in John 8, he says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. This is where John gets that idea that God is light, because Jesus says, I am. He's bringing us back to Exodus, where God appears to Moses in a burning bush, and Moses says, what's your name? What do I tell him your name is? He says, I am who I am. Jesus makes eight I am statements throughout his ministry to claim that he is God, and that he is light. And he says, anyone who follows me won't walk in darkness. They will see sin for what it really is. Because Jesus is the sinless son of God. He is the true light, the true, holy, pure, righteous one. If we want to know what God's like, we look at the person of Jesus. So if we're followers of Jesus, we shouldn't be living in darkness or sin. So how do we know 
if we're a follower of Jesus? How do we know if we really know Jesus? Well, there is a test according to John. He says this in 1 John 2, verse 3. Now, by this we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. What is it to truly know Jesus? What is the marker of a follower of Jesus? It says here it's obedience. So if we claim to know Jesus, we must be obedient to his commands. So true knowledge of God is expressed in obedience. To truly know someone, you know what they like and dislike, right? And to truly know and love God is to be obedient to him. It's to fully submit to him. If you truly believe Jesus is God, then you will know that he is the ultimate authority over all things. Therefore, he, you must obey him in all of your life. To say, I know God, but then disregard his word and his commands means you don't know God because you don't believe he's the actual authority in your life. You know, it's like me having a friend who is a vegan. And he's like, oh, I'm a vegan. I'm like, oh, cool. And he tells me all the reasons why he's a vegan. I'm like, oh, that's great. No worries. And then one day I'm working, walking past KFC and I see a drumstick hanging out of his mouth. I'm like, dude, what, what about the drumstick? And he's like, ah, oh, you know, chicken's okay. I'm like, mm. okay. Then the next time we hang out, he's wearing a leather jacket. I'm like, leather jacket, bro, vegans, you know, nothing. He's like, oh, but, you know, that animal was already killed. People ate the steaks, so I'm just wearing the leather jacket. It's okay. I'm like, oh, okay, sure. Then the next time I see him, he's like, oh, I feel my skin. It's so soft. I'm like, oh, yeah, why is that? Oh, I went to a retreat and we had a milk bath. Made all my skin nice and stuff. I'm like, milk bath? Pretty sure no animal products for vegans. He's like, oh, no, no, it's okay. Milk, milk's okay. I'm like, man, hang on. I'm not quite sure you're a vegan. You eat them, you wear them, and you bathe in them. Like, I, <laughs> I'm not quite sure if you know what a vegan means. But likewise, if we proclaim to be a Christian, but think it's okay to sin, and we're not interested in following Jesus with our life, then the question has to be, are we really a Christian? John's saying, look, if we claim to know Jesus, then we'll want to follow him. Jesus will be the king of our entire lives. Because when we reject God and his commands, when we reject his word, we're putting something else on the throne, which is either yourself or other things like comfort or money or prestige or just your lusts. Our obedience or disobedience reveal our true belief. We can't claim to know God and willingly sin and act like it's nothing or act like it's actually okay. Now, let me clarify what I mean. Because none of us are perfect and sinless. There was only one man that was sinless, and that's Jesus. None of us are perfect. But there is a huge difference between someone who is trying to follow Jesus, trying to follow his ways, knows his command, and, and someone who's not trying to follow God, who does not care. Now, it's like in a pastoral conversation, if I sit down with someone as they pass and they come to me, and they sit down, they go, Scott, uh, you know, I have my wife, and, and, but at work there's this lady that I really like, and uh, I want to be with her, and I think I'm going to do it. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, what does God's word say about that? I don't care. Oh, okay. Well, um, when you pray about it, 
What has God revealed to you? Does he convict you of anything? I'm not praying about it. <laughs> okay, um, why are you here? Um, are you asking for permission from me to go and do that? Like someone who comes to me is not interested in God, not interested in what God says or wants to do, is that a Christian? Or if I get another person that comes to me, says, Scott, there's a woman at work that I'm interested in, but I know God's word. I know it's a sin. I want to honor my wife. I don't want to engage in it. Can you help me? I'm like, there is a big difference between someone like that. I'm like, yes, let's step into this. The Holy Spirit is working in you, convicting you. Let's walk with God. Let's turn away from that. There is a big difference between someone who says, I don't care, and someone says, I need help. And this is what John is highlighting here. If we claim to be a Christian and we're willfully ignoring or not interested in God's commands, then he's saying we might not be saved. And you see, this test is not for you to go around and start judging others. Like You take this verse and like, all right, I'm going to judge you. I'm going to judge you by this verse. Like, I don't know who is saved, but, but it concerns me when someone comes to me and goes, I don't care. I'm like, oh, I feel like I need to give this person the gospel. This isn't a test for you to go around and beat other people on the head. This is a test for you. Johnny's asking us to self-reflect, to look at ourselves in this test, text and look at our lives. He says, I know him. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. If we profess it, but we don't live it out, what we're doing is we're actually lying to ourselves. Do you know the most dangerous lie you can tell is to yourself? Where we go about life having this conviction, but we lie to ourselves to get around it, we convince ourselves that what we're doing is okay, and all that does is bring death. The worst lie you can tell is to yourself. Because if the truth was in you, then you would actually desire to follow God's command. So what do I say if the truth was in you? Because Jesus is the truth. Jesus obeyed the Father at all times, in all ways. He even obeyed to death on the cross. So if you think sin is okay, then you're actually lying to yourself. And the truth, who is Jesus, the Spirit of God, might not be in you. But... If we truly are Christians, if we are just struggling with sin and there is a conviction in your heart that you shouldn't be sinning and you believe God's word and you're actually trying to follow Jesus and his commands, then you do have the truth in you. It means the Holy Spirit is in you. You are saved. You are on this process of being transformed more into the likeness of Jesus. And John tells us that in chapter 2, verse 5. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. I love the word walk there because walk means progression. Walk means I am on a journey towards something. I'm on a journey towards righteousness. I'm on a journey towards Jesus. I'm on a journey following Jesus. Therefore, we can infer from this verse that Christians are meant to grow in holiness and mature in faith as they pursue Jesus and follow him. You see, being a Christian doesn't mean we're sinless, but it means we should sin less because we have the Holy Spirit in you, transforming you continually into the likeness of Jesus. And this process is actually called sanctification. Like We have all these Christian words that explain the Christian life. We have justification, sanctification. And what sanctification is, 
is this journey through life where we're putting off sin and we're growing closer to Jesus. It's this constant journey of transformation, of turning away from sin. Sanctification is a lifelong journey. I'm on this journey. I'm not done. And I won't be till I see Jesus face to face. It's a lifelong journey for me. I'm not sinless. Ask my wife. But hopefully I'm on a journey to sin less day by day as God transformed me more into the likeness of Jesus. And this is our mission statement as a church. As New Life Church, our mission statement is more people. Yes, you got it. Well done. And this is the process of sanctification in your life. And if there's no desire to follow Jesus, then John's saying, what you're doing is you're actually lying to yourself. But if you had the Spirit of Jesus in you, the Holy Spirit, then you will desire. There'll actually be a desire in your heart to follow his commands. So what John's doing, he's calling us to reflect on our lives and ask ourselves the question, do I really believe in Jesus? Do I really believe enough to desire God's ways over my sinful lust? Because John is saying, if you truly know God, this will manifest in an obedient and a transformed life. And if we truly believe and know God, we would actually welcome God in to shine his light on the dark, deep crevices of our heart and reveal to us sin. One of the most common prayers I pray each and every day is, God, convict me of my sin. In everything I do today, whether I'm talking with my wife or hanging out with my boys or whether I'm at work or whether I'm in a meeting, convict me of sin. Show me where I'm not following you. Show me where my pride takes over. Show me where my selfishness takes over. I want to follow you. Like, are we asking God to reveal to us the sin that is in our heart? Theodore Epps says, light reveals righteousness, but it also reveals sin. And in John 16, Jesus tells us that one of the Holy Spirit's job is, is to convict the world of sin. He says, I'm going to send the helper. And one of his jobs is to convict the world of the reality of sin. Do you welcome God in to shine his light into those dark, deep recesses of your heart to convict you? John 3.20 says, And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. I love this. It says, this is what happened. Light has come into the world. Do you know who that was? That was Jesus. Jesus came into the world to reveal the true character and nature of God, and people hated that. They hated Jesus, and they refused to come to the light. Why? Because they loved their sin. They loved their darkness, and they refused to come to the light that that may be changed. You know, there's this illustration in, um, it was like an online blog post where this person put in this following statement and says, I, got, I want to put this statement in, and I want you guys to fulfill in the rest. So he puts this statement in, I prefer darkness over light. And a young woman offered an honest and insightful response. She goes, I prefer darkness over light. The darkness allows me to hide who I am, and what I truly feel. In the light, things have a chance to be revealed. Darkness makes it easier to hide. In the dark, you cannot see what's coming next. The darkness is a place where you can lose yourself. 
Lost in the dark is a great place to be because you are free from what you were and you can, can be whatever you want. Darkness is bliss. This person is professing the fact that what I truly feel deep down in me, this, this issue of sin, if I just hide from it in the darkness, I can just overcome that with lusts and pleasures and I love being in this place because I don't really have to look deep into my heart and go, oh, wow, I'm a sinner. And so this is what people do. They hide in the darkness, but light exposes that which is hidden in darkness and shows them for what they really are. So to walk in light means to know God, know the truth, and live in righteousness. So we have to ask ourselves the question, do you want what you're doing to stay hidden? Are we seeking to be obedient, or are we seeking to do whatever we want in the darkness? And what happens is, for me, when I ask myself all these questions, it provokes another question in me, that what happens then if I do sin? Like, if, if we are true believers, if we're followers of Jesus, what happens when I give in to temptation, or when I struggle, or when I engage in sin? Well, John 1 John 2, 1 says, My little children, these things I write to you so you may not sin. Can you hear the pastoral nature in John's voice? Saying, guys, this stuff's killing you. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to just say, walk in the light. Bring light and love. He says, children, these things are right you so you may not sin, but if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. John's saying, hey, we should be turning away from this, but none of us are sinless. But we have this advocate, this one who sits at the right hand of the Father. And when we sin, he goes, look, this is what I did for them. I've paid for their sin, past, present, and future. We have an advocate. What is an advocate? An advocate, the definition is a person who supports and argues for another person, especially in court. Jesus steps into that judgment and goes, I've paid the penalty for them. Their debt is wiped clean. This is the beauty of the advocate. But there is another beauty of the advocate of Jesus. He says that it's available to the whole world. He says, my little children, these things I write to you so you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only. Not for us only. But for the entire world. This is the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He comes that the entire world has an opportunity to come and be redeemed and restored and to be forgiven. Jesus came in the flesh that he would absorb on himself the sin of humanity because we messed it up in the beginning and each and every one of us have covered things up with lies. Each and every one of us has lied to ourselves at some stage and thought, this is okay. But Jesus is like, I know you can't save yourself. That's why I came, because of love and of mercy and of grace. And on that cross, when I took upon myself all your sin, all of your debt, when I said, it is done, it is done. He paid for the sins of those that come to him in repentance and faith. And you know what? That's the message we carry out to the entire world. G.K. Chesterton says, The issue is now clear. It is between light and darkness, and everyone must choose a side. 
please hear this. Because this next statement comes from a place of love for you. If you're sitting there feeling convicted of sin, good. I feel convicted of sin, but that's great. We should actually welcome conviction on sin because that means the Holy Spirit is in you, is working through you and shining the light of God onto those dark, deep places in your heart. And He's calling you to turn from that and turn to Him that we would be a blessing, that we would bring life, not death. This is done for your benefit and for those around you. You know, I love conviction because it's good for the non-Christian because conviction leads to repentance and salvation. And conviction is great for the Christian because it leads to a transformed life more into the likeness of Jesus. You see, the answer to the non-Christian and to the Christian is the same. The answer is Jesus. And so what do we do if we step over that mark? 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It says, if we confess our sins, we have been given the gift of confession. This should be a regular thing in a Christian's life. That we're looking at our life and we're holding it up to the standard of God and going, God, I'm falling short. I'm missing the mark. I'm going to confess those things to you. I want to transform life where I can reflect you out into the world. We have this gift of confession. And as for the Christian and the non-Christian, the non-Christian comes and goes, oh, I've recognized that, that I need you. And here is this promise that we have in Scripture. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Why is he faithful and just? Why is it just that we are forgiven? Because Jesus paid the penalty. Jesus paid the price and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the victory over sin and death for all that believe. This is a promise of God to everyone who believes. That's the gospel. That's the good news to the Christian and the non-Christian. God's way to, made a way for us to be cleansed from all our sin, past, present and future. And He is faithful to give us new life where we can walk in light and in love. And because God is light, we're called to walk in the light, empowered by His Holy Spirit to live in truth and to live in love with one another and with God. The question is, will you step out of the darkness into the light of Jesus? John's calling. Jesus is calling. He says, my little children, these things I write to you that you may not sin, but rather live and love like Jesus Christ. Would you join me in prayer? Father, we come before you. Each and every one of us, God, have fallen short. Lord, I know I have in many ways. But Lord, I love your mercy and your grace but also your truth. God, as we come before you in this moment, come Holy Spirit, bring your loving conviction. And as we just sit in this moment, the team's going to sing a song over you, but I'd really encourage you that in this moment, that you would ask God to reveal any sin that's in you. 
and I would confess them before him. If you're sitting there going, no, I'm not doing that just because you said so. Or I've got nothing to confess. In the letter of John, it says, if we say we have no sin, we lie and we don't have the truth and we make him a liar. The Bible testifies that all are sin. All have fallen short of the glory of God. In this moment, maybe that's a bit of pride that we need to repent of. So I'd really encourage you as the team sing this song over to you that you would sit in a moment and, and ask the Holy Spirit to come and do what only the Holy Spirit can do. And if you've never received Christ for the first time and you're feeling this sense of conviction, hand that over to Jesus. He wants to take that for you and he wants to give you life and life in all its fullness.